So one of the excuses that you hear about going to church is, uh, I don't want to go yet. I want to wait till I get it together. So then my next question is, when are you going to get it together? A person who's addicted to drugs doesn't go to the rehab after <laughs> they're clean from drugs. They go right. while they're on drugs. Oh, that's powerful. And so God wants us to come when we're broken. He said, because I can fix it. I can fix that situation. That depression, I can fix it. That valuelessness, I can fix that. Not knowing which direction to go, I can fix that. He said, just come to me. And so that's what he's looking for. And unfortunately, because of religion, people have been turned away from God instead of drawn to him. Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Olivier D. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast bringing a down-to-earth approach to personal growth. On this show, we're helping individuals just like you learn about tapping into their incredible potential through insightful interviews and inspiring lessons. Our mission is to encourage you to always keep pushing towards achieving your dreams and to stay awesome along the way. I've said this before, and there's a couple of things that even going way back into the history of this um, podcast adventure, there are some things that I said that I personally would not talk about. Um, Politics being one of them and faith. Also, most likely religion. Now, I'm not going to say religion. I'm not going to say faith. I'm going to say religion. Um, there are some hot topics, some hot button topics that I didn't think were appropriate to the show, even though I've been vocal about certain political topics and uh, certain items uh, that might affect us as people. Um, but I've always tried to keep things level in regards to, you know, my expertise and what I wish, you know, to bring on as a message of growth and um, empowerment to all these wonderful guests that I bring on. And today, I think I'm pivoting just a little bit outside of that. Because um, over the past year, I have taken a lot of time to do some soul searching in regards to, okay, in terms of my card castle of the whole that is me, and what I wish to bring um, to you guys in terms of practical tools into your own personal journey that can be useful to you, um, whether it's uh, your finances, your family, uh, your fitness, uh, your health, uh, your nutrition, the books that you read, the content that you ingest, the relationships that you establish, but also the spiritual, the faith. Um, it's something that is very personal, um, individual to each and every one of you. But as I've always said, um, I always like to put myself in, you know, the hot seat. You know, I want to leave this, live these experiences with you. And the past year has been very interesting because I've been dealing with a lot of um, internal um, confusion, a lot of uh, personal struggle, because growing up Haitian, there's a lot of weight that's put on you as the society that you grew up in is basically 90% of everybody goes to church, right? Everybody believes in something by some denomination whatsoever. Um, as you guys know, I went through an all boys, um, Catholic school and basically, you know, everybody went to church. I did the whole school, good school boy thing, church boy thing, choir, altar boy, all that good stuff. Um, when I transitioned to uh, Montreal, uh, when I had my hands, you know, my life in my own hands, I had a lot of time, you know, to explore life and, you know, approach life with a very cynical eye. And what that did, it allowed me to question a lot. And that allowed me to take a step back from what my beliefs were, what my values were, and of course, be critical of you know, whether it's the Catholic faith or the Catholic church. And along this journey, um, I always knew I'd have to come to a head into the fact that knowing that I was going to raise a family and shepherd my children onto this road called life, I'd have to be very real as to what I want out of this thing called life. And it's with all that confusion that um, I was in conversation with my friend Phil, who's become a brother at this point. And he invited me 
to a very powerful, very intimate um, men's group uh, Bible study for men. And he said, you should show, you should come up. If these are the questions you're asking yourself, this is definitely something, no obligation to you. Uh, this is a space of safety. This is a space of respect. And this is a space where you can bring uh, these worries and these concerns. Maybe you don't want to go to mass. Maybe you don't want, don't want to read the Bible. Maybe, but you just need to speak with a brother. So, you know, sheepishly, he invited me on a Zoom call. And I'm happy to say that over the past year, it has become a very important part of my journey of reawakening and stepping back into my faith. Um, which is why I wanted to share this conversation with you, uh, with uh, the uh, the uh, leader of this group, uh, the wonderful Pastor Michael Winfrey, um, who's become very much of a good and solid ear um, to listen and to open a very powerful space for us. Um, you realize a lot of men, as I like to say, don't talk, but it is so fulfilling. It is so worthy to hear men from all walks of life sit down for an hour and share their experiences, their struggles, their trials, their tribulations, their successes, their laughter in the space of faith and saying thank you and gratitude to what their faith, their belief brings to them in their life. And uh, Pastor Mike, as we affectionately call him, has been instrumental to that in creating this space and allowing us to not feel judged, to not feel burdened by the, the cynicism that life might bring forward. And I just thought that it was a good opportunity to sit down with Pastor Mike and let him know where I came from. This uh, conversation was recorded very early into the early days of, um, of my initiation uh, to the group. And I don't like to say initiation, my arrival to the group, because there is no initiation. I just, you just show up, you know, and it was something that was very powerful. And I just wanted, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a sense of gratitude and thanks, and of course, giving a little bit more steam and bringing light uh, to the group, Faithful Men Fellowship, that it deserved. So it felt, you know, right to have him on the podcast just to talk about you know, his personal journey, because Pastor Mike has been through a lot um, stuff that we're going to get into, but also allow you guys a little bit more um, clarity and transparency into how I'm feeling, where my head is at, and what the show is also going through, because we're all going, we're going the show is also going through a period of growing pains, um, and that has a lot to do with it, so... I guess I'm also trying to invite you guys to not be afraid to speak out on things that might seem uncomfortable at first, but if you're not hurting anyone and you step in with, dare I say, faith and respect and kindness, it can have a very great impact on your life and and can create a great conversation. So it's all worth it. Um, thank you so much for showing up as always. So also I have to let you guys know there will be, uh, because full disclaimer, there were some uh, heavy technical difficulties with this recording. So at some points, not throughout the whole recording, but at some points we will hear some reverbs and echo throughout the recording. And as you guys know, I never want to shy away from the reality that is podcasting. So I do apologize beforehand uh, for the technical irritation that you might hear in some parts throughout this recording, but it does not, you know, dilute from a wonderful, wonderful conversation. So I just wanted to point that out as always with love. Episode 201, Awaken the Awesome with Pastor Michael Winfrey. Here we go. Uh, I don't, I don't talk a lot about, you know, religion and faith, but I understand that building your journey is something that you can't set aside the spiritual. You can't set aside your faith. You can't set aside the fact that you are just a very small part of a very, very big tapestry of emotions and circumstances and 
what the word means to you. And that's when Phil and I were talking about where, where we were in our faith. I was telling him that, you know what? I don't really know because I grew up in a, like I told you, in a very traditional Catholic environment, like all boys school and go to church on Friday and Sunday, learn the Bible from cover to cover. And eventually I became very cynical growing up because the second I left home, it was all about, okay, life happens. And that's where you start questioning. And that's where you start really asking yourself the real questions, the human questions that a lot of questions sometimes that you tell yourself, like, you can't question that. The adults said, do this. And so that you do this. And that's why it was very important for me to connect with someone like you through all the frank talk that you have with us every week and all the honesty that you bring and all the real truth that you bring through the word and through your guidance and your expertise. That's why I really wanted to start out this conversation by saying thank you, Pastor, because these are things that not just as men, but as human beings right now in this cynical world of 2023, that we don't allow ourselves to, to open up and ask ourselves like, okay, what does the word mean to you? What does God mean to you? Is God a part of your life? You call yourself a Christian. What does that mean to you? These are not wrong questions, I think. But this is why, you know, people like you should be celebrated because the group of men who are willing to put themselves out there through their own experiences and through their own, you know, frailties, through their own insecurities and just come together through the word, through this one little thing called God and, you know, try to build each other up. And I just want to say thank you for that, Pastor. Like, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. Well, it's definitely uh, a pleasure and an honor um, for anyone to want to even take the time to listen to me or uh, to delve into my life experiences or how or what I share. And I do count it as an honor and a privilege. One of the things that has really helped me to help others is I realized after a long time of spinning the wheels that I was kind of like the hamster. Hamster on the wheel just continually turning, but you end up nowhere. And so I wanted to find out who I was. Well, most of us find out who we are from others. So from birth, your mom is telling you you're going to be this. Your father is telling you you're going to be that. School teachers are telling you you're going to be this and telling you you're going to be that. Then you have friends and peers they tell you you're going to be this. Then you go on your job and they tell you. You go to college and they tell you. So we have all of these voices in our head telling us who we are, that we literally lose our identity and don't have an idea or a clue who we are. So who better to go to than the one who created you? So he knew exactly what we were going to do before we did it. Uh, he knew the ups, the downs, and the ins and outs. And so I always use the illustration if um, you have a Cadillac mm-hmm. and you need it repaired. You don't take it to Kia if you want it to be repaired. Makes sense. Kia has some parts and they may order some parts and they may put in some parts. But ideally, you want to take it back to the Cadillac dealership because they're going to have factory parts. They're going to have the parts that belong to that particular Cadillac. Well, it's the same thing with the creator. When you go back to God, he knows why you think the way you think, why you act the way you act, how and what your purpose is in life. And we're steady listening or taking in what others say. Uh, For example, uh, when I was in school, I played basketball. Mm -hmm. So since I never made it to the NBA, then I would try to live my dreams through my son. So okay. as soon as he comes, hey, son, you know, you're supposed to play basketball. Hey, listen, get out there and start to shoot, not realizing that God didn't want him anywhere near a basketball court. Wow. So now he begins to transform or conform into what I would want him to be, and then he finds himself in the same place that you did one day, a place wow. where you feel like, what's the purpose? Why? Why am I uh, here? people are chasing the dollar. Now, in today's terms, they say, I'm chasing the bag. So (laughs) my question is, if you're chasing the bag, when do you get it? Because once you grab that $100,000 bag, now you want a $500,000 bag. Now you want a million dollar bag. Now you want a $5 million bag. Now you want a billion dollar bag. And so when do you ever obtain this bag that you're chasing? And I think that's why Jesus 
in his teachings talked a lot about money because he realized money can become our God. So the reason we go to work is not because we like work. It's not at all. Not at all. I've yet to meet somebody who says, man, I'm just ready to get on that assembly line and do whatever it is that they want me to do. And so even in the, in the, in the arena of employment, what employer have you ever had that paid you what you were worth? Nobody. Nobody. $50 an hour. You're worth more than that. hundred dollars an hour. You're worth more. You're worth more than that. You're worth more than that. And so, you found yourself on that wheel because you're chasing it and you're chasing it. And this is what you were taught. Hey, as a man, you're supposed to provide. Well, we take provision and the world takes provision. It's just monetary. Man, monetary is low on the totem pole. If you ask your child, the things that I do on Saturday, sitting with them when they're at swim class, Mm -hmm. that's what they're going to remember. They're not going to remember the iPhone that you got them. They're not going to remember the tennis shoes that you got them. And most children, if you watch them at Christmas time, what do they do? They unwrap it. Most time, most times they have more fun unwrapping it than they do. Than actually- the actual gift. Yeah. And so you went broke getting them all these things you thought they wanted, and they may play with them one or two times, and then they, they're sitting over at the side. Pastor, your exp- your example is, co- is 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 coming way close to home. <laughs> <laughs> Way close to going. I've got a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old, and that you just described exactly our last Christmas. That's exactly it. Yes, sir. Wow. So if you fast forward and you ask anyone, you could even ask your wife this. Um, what does she remember from her childhood? And I guarantee you it's none of the things that you are giving your children right now. Stuff. It's not that. It's, mm-hmm. it's never stuff. It's moments. when we Oh, well, we went to Disneyland as a family. Or we had a picnic as a family. The first time we went to the beach, or mom holding me, or dad reading to me. It's those kind of things. It's it's the non-monetary things that they remember, that they need, that they hold on to. Even when we're disciplined, um, they may not like it at that moment. But you fast forward, and they'll see how much it was appreciated in their life. I called my mom when I was thirty-eight, and I said, "Mom." Uh, I'm sorry. And she said, for what? And I said, for not listening to half the stuff that you told me to do. And I said, wow. I thank you for the discipline that you gave me, because to this day, I still say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Excuse me. Thank you. All the things that were important back then that she gave me. And we grew up poor. We didn't grow up rich. Really? We grew up poor. And I did not know we were poor <laughs> until I became an adult. Because we had an abundance of love. Um, too often, like I say, we give our children stuff in place of love. Um, what is a child really doing with an iPhone? First of all, it's an $1,800 phone. What child is deserving of an $1,800 phone? Wow. Because them is just a phone. And then they seek themselves into the phone and we lose them. And we'll tell them that Take your tablet, take your iPad and go to the room and play or get your Xbox and go play. And don't spend the quality time that they're going to need now and later on in their lives. So I think that uh, one of the things that I've heard you say without saying it was you lacked balance. Most people lack balance. And if your car is uh, not balanced, what do they call it? It it needs an alignment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of us need an alignment. Because we're either working too much or we're giving too much stuff and we're not spending the quality time. I did uh, research one time on communications for families, and it says that the average family or household spends about 20 minutes a day with productive conversation. 20 minutes? 20 minutes. Because remember, we're fast food generation. There's not a whole lot of sitting down at the table blessing the food and, and eating and then talking as a family. There's not much of that going on. In fact, that very rarely happens, even with husbands and wives. We talk at each other. Very rarely do we talk to each other. To each other. To each other. Yeah. But you, you touch on so many, you touch on so many topics. Um, 
but I read uh, for a lot of people listening to us, they're probably going to resonate with the fact that a lot of us at some point in our journey from whether from childhood through adolescence, through the formative years of going into the workplace to I'm 42. There's that part where you do get lost. I'm talking for myself, but there's a part of me, not just in my faith, but overall that felt lost because I was so focused on, on, um, just providing and surviving, I never stopped to say, okay, what do I want? Who am I? And how do we have that conversation with ourselves? How do we, can we avoid getting lost or do we have to get lost to find ourselves eventually? Well, I think it's different for everybody. But one, one of the things that I believe that is common is that we come to a point where we say, what am I here for? And that's the most profound, probably one of the simplest questions that people ask themselves. 60 years old, 70 years old, why am I here? If I'm just here to work, if I'm just here to have children, if I'm just here to get married, if I'm just here to become rich, that's it. So then people like uh, Elon Musk, who could die like 12 times and come back and he still would be rich. Why does he still wake up every day trying to figure out how to make another dollar? And so we, we find this void that everybody has in them. And this is how you come to the place of, of realizing that there is a God. That void cannot be filled with anything but God. And we tried it. We tried it with sex. We tried it with alcohol. We try it with material stuff. We try it with work. We try it with money. None of those things satisfy you at the end of the day because the longing that we long for is that missing piece, which is God. And so when you come to a place of brokenness, when you come to a place where I'm so depressed that I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I, I don't feel like I've accomplished anything. And you know, we always have these mile markers. So at 40, you believe in your mind that you should have accomplished A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Guilty. And those are, yeah, and nine times out of ten, that's because somebody told you that. Think of anything that you know today that you weren't taught. You didn't mm. come out tying your tennis shoes on your own. Somebody taught you how to do that. So if you tie it this way over this way, and I come and I say, hey, check this out, Oliver. There's a different way you can tie. Oh, no. I've been tying this for 42 years like this, but yet I'm not satisfied. And so that's what happens. We come to a place prayerfully. We come to a place of brokenness where we do cry out. And You said uh, you don't think you prayed, but I think you did. When you cry out to God, it's a prayer. And so you cried out like, what's going on? And because of that, this show was birthed. And this show became you having a visual diary of talking to yourself. I laugh at people all the time. Um, counselors who get paid to talk to you really only tell you what you already know. So you're talking and they're taking notes. They're taking wow. notes. And they'll say to you, well, Oliver, so when do you think you first started getting angry? Well, I remember when I was growing up in Haiti and my dad he used to do such and such and such and such. And they'll write down that note, right? Now you just talked to yourself and you told yourself exactly what happened. It happened back there when dad did whatever it was. And because you didn't deal with it all these years later, you're still succumbing to it. And then the counselor says, well, you know what? I think you need to go back and heal from that process of what your dad. And so that's basically what you did with this show that you have now, this bottle that you have. You started talking to yourself, right? A lot. You started sharing with yourself. You started rationalizing or analyzing yourself, right? And you came to the point or the place where you are today. And so I think too often, Kenny Rogers said, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. Oh, that's so true. So true. And, and and when you get through drinking, you can drink until you're purple in the face and you're still not going to be satisfied. I have a younger sister who, um, she smokes weed religiously. 
And I asked her one day, I said, sis, why? Well, it gives me peace. I said, so you think that something outside of you gives you peace inside? I said, there's nothing on the outside that can change what's going on on the inside. So it has to happen on the inside. I said, but here's an example. I said, I said, have you ever gotten a pink slip from like your electric company or or from the water company or something? She said, yeah. And I said, so if you don't have the money and you smoke the weed, is your lights or water still not going off? She's like, yeah. So I said, so all the weed did was numb you from the fact that they're still going to go off. And that's just one example of the things that we do. Like I said, you can jump in. You can work 60 hours a week if you want to. But then you don't even have time to spend it. So you have to think about it. You have eight hours you're supposed to be sleeping. <laughs> then you got eight hours normally that you're supposed to be working. Normally. Normally. So you are one of those 10, 12, 14-hour guys. Mm-hmm. So Heavy. 14 plus your hours of sleep. That only leaves about two or three hours for your family. So many fights with my wife. So many, so many sleepless nights thinking about stuff and what bill needs to get paid, what contract needs to get handled, what what call, what email needs to be replied. Um, I'm gonna stay stay in a couple of more hours, go into the office on weekends, and for what? And for what? What 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 was I trying to fill? What was I trying to numb from? For some people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's drugs. For some people, it's anything it's it's gaming it's gambling it's porn but for me it was really workaholism i I was a very heavy workaholic like heavy and and i had to quit to just pull the plug but you're right pastor we we try often to numb these things that we don't want to pay attention to yeah and 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 the truth of the matter is that the bible most people have something negative or derogatory to say about there's not one topic that you can tell me about that the Bible doesn't deal with. Did you know that um, side chicks is in the Bible? I did not know that. Yeah. When you go back to Genesis, Abram was told by God he was going to have a child. Well, his wife laughed and she said, I'm too old. And basically said, here, you can have my handmaid. The handmaiden gets pregnant. And now she's basically ha, 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 in Sarah's face. And Sarah says to Abram, she got to go. Wow. So even back then, the things that we're trying to do now that we think is brand new, it's in the Bible. And the Bible gives us the results of doing it his way and doing it our way. We often try to take shortcuts. Um, for example, um, Sex without marriage, right? So then you end up with three different children by three different women. And now you have what's called three different baby mamas. Along with those baby mamas, now comes child support. Now comes a separation or an inability to raise your children up because you only get them a particular amount. Mm-hmm. And all that happened because I didn't do it God's way. I wanted to do it my way. Because, God, I know what's best. I know how to do this. And we still see the cycle happening today. Everything that the word of God talks about that we deal with is in the Bible. You can't you can't give me one topic that you can discuss that the Bible doesn't deal with. It gives you the answer to it. It's this it's this powerful truth is this assurance and this this sincere empathy that you bring to every single call every week. That really that really touches me. Because so many times you hear about the word and the power of God and how the word is supposed to have its place in his life. And I'm confessing, I've told you this before, I'm on a road to recovery in regards to my connection with my faith. Um, I still consider myself Christian. I baptized my kids. I was married in a church. and I'm, But I'm still re, re, reconstructing myself as a man of faith. And I admire you, Pastor, for leading us on this path because you're having the conversation I wish that we'd had, the more real conversation I wish I would have had growing up. Not just go to church, listen to the word, take take, take the communion, and then go home. Hey, hey, you're blessed. Go back to your week. 
that felt so more routine. Whereas right now with open eyes and a more mature stance, you bring a lot of the reality of the everyday. You are someone who's actually been in our shoes. And I don't want to bury the lead, but where did, where did the word, when did the word, where, where was that void? Where, where, was there any point in your life where you felt lost and then eventually click, that's where God showed up. I'm interested to know where that happened for you. Well, for me, uh, Growing up, I believed there was a God, but I never lived like there was a God. Um, and I went to church maybe three times my whole life as a child. Wow. Next door neighbors um, were devout Christians, to the best of my knowledge of what a Christian was at that particular time. And I remember them taking me to church. And I remember John 3.16. I remember the song. Oh, how I love Jesus and Jesus loves the little children. But that was it. And then one day in a county jail, all jail. the lights, county jail, county jail, all the lights went off for me. In other words, there was nothing that I could do to fix or change the situation in and of my own self. And I cried out to the God who I knew there was. And he came into my life and he changed it. And what was really profound about that in the county jail, I started teaching Bible study. Never read the Bible one time other than that trip to church. And people were like, did you go to school for this? Did you grow up in a Christian? I was like, no, it's all God, all Holy Spirit. And so what has happened with most people and, and even what you're what you're relaying is, is that you had an encounter with religion. Religion is a whole bunch of rules and regulations. Well, anybody who's anybody knows that we don't like rules and we don't like regulations. This, this, this sinful flesh is never going to succumb to what rules and regulations require. For example, the speed limit in Canada is... Uh well we don't do miles but okay hundred hundred kilometers an hour on the highway okay. right nobody's doing that not at all and if you raise it to one hundred and ten one hundred and twenty one hundred and thirty it doesn't matter what you change it to people are still going to break it do don't walk across the grass people are going to walk across it in fact the very ones who said don't walk across the grass are going to be the ones who walk across it. Because this flesh does not want to succumb to rules. So when you're in religion, religion tells you, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. And so I used to laugh and joke. I said, man, I'm not going to become a Christian until I'm like 80-something years old. It's like, why? I said, because you can't do anything. You can't watch TV. You can't listen to the radio. You can't play cards. You can't have fun. But then when I had an encounter with Jesus, I realized that it's not religion that he's looking for. He's looking for a relationship. So when you spend quality time with him, then he starts to show you stuff about yourself. And so I realized that even at my best, I was terrible. <laughs> even when I thought I was doing good, I wasn't. No kidding. And so the Bible is a mirror that is supposed to reflect the image of Jesus. So when we look into it, we should look more and more like him. The way he treated people the way he talked to people, the way he loved on people, the way he forgave people, the way he showed mercy and grace towards people. That's what we're supposed to be as believers, as Christians. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to reflect him. So when I look in the mirror and I look at myself, I see how much of my life doesn't look like him. And he wow. helps me to be more like him. And so, this walk of Christianity is a continual walk. It's called sanctification. Uh, another illustration. Get up in the morning, and I want you to go through your normal way that you wash your face. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to take an alcohol pad or, or a cotton ball with alcohol on it and wipe it across any part of your body that you just got through from washing. And you're going to find out dirt is going to come off. Right? Yeah. Wash yourself up but dirt is still going to come up. And so this process of Christianity is sanctification. We're looking more and more like him. The more we mature, the more we start acting like him. 
the stuff that used to bother us doesn't bother us anymore because we're going through that process. But we will continually be in that process until he comes back. Have you encountered, I'm not even going to say if you have, I'm sure you have, Pastor. Again, because I always like to use myself as the guinea pig on these exchanges and I use my own experiences. For me, often what happened is that trying to talk myself into looking in God's direction, say, okay, God, I need help. My ego got in the way saying, well, I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve God's consideration. Like I've done too many mistakes to even pretend to say that, okay, I am worthy of your blessing. I'm not sure if you've had these conversations where the person is in a state of self-deprecation where they'd rather just look the other way because you know what, even though you know God's there, but you know what, God, not right now, I'm not ready. Well, and, and again, a lot of that, again, comes from how religion has mistaught us. Ego is an acronym for edging God out. Oh. So when you have an ego, you're saying, God, I got this. I don't need you. I understand the way you want it to be, but as a man, I'm going to take care of this. And so your ego gets in the way of you doing or accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish. Well, this is how ignorant that is. Nobody wakes up on their own. Most people say the birds woke me up. The sun, my children woke me up. Alarm clock woke me up. We'll take any of those things and take them to a cemetery and see how many people get up. No, you woke up because God woke you up. He put breath in your lungs to wake up the next day and the next day and the next day. So why would I not go to him who knows everything about See, uh, as, as husbands and even as fathers, your children don't know everything about you. Your wife doesn't know everything. Oh, she true. knows a lot, but she don't know everything. There's some things you probably will never tell her. And there's some things that she will probably never tell you, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not the case with God. God is all-knowing, so he already knows it. So he's just saying, hey, listen, have a conversation with me. Just talk to me. Because you're like, God, you know what? That guy pulled in front of me. And I really wanted to go chase him down. And God is like, that's okay. But what would you accomplish by doing that? And so since we look at God as this this being who has his belt, who wants to beat us, right? Or this mother who just cuddles us, then we have a misconception of who God is. He's so much more than that. But even when you say that you're not worthy, The Bible declares that you're alive because it says while we were yet sinners, Jesus came to die for us. Not when we had it together, not when everything was wonderful. So one of the excuses that you hear about going to church is, uh, I don't want to go yet. I want to wait till I get it together. So then my next question is, when are you going to get it together? A person who's addicted to drugs doesn't go to the rehab after <laughs> they're clean from drugs, they go right. while they're on drugs. Oh, that's powerful. And so God wants us to come when we're broken. He said, because I can fix it. I can fix that situation. That depression, I can fix it. That valuelessness, I can fix that. Not knowing which direction to go, I can fix that. He said, just come to me. And so that's what he's looking for. And unfortunately, because of religion, People have been turned away from God instead of drawn to him. But at the end of the day, everybody has to give an account. So when it's over and it's over, you know, we don't get a second curtain call. When it's over, it's over. So now where do I want to spend eternity? And so when I stand before God, I can't tell him, well, you know, Pastor Mike never came over and hung with me. He never shared. My wife never, my children, you can't say that before God. He said, because even creation lets you know that he is. Did you know this about grass? That at nighttime, grass bows down? Yes. Yes, yes I know. No. Yeah. And in the morning, it rises up. It rises oh, up. Even the grass is showing us that there is a God. Reverence. Yeah. So I, I think that because of religion and because we haven't taken the time to form that relationship ourselves, 
That's why we feel defeated. That's why we feel depressed. That's why we want to give up. That's why we don't know which way is up. Because we haven't taken time to talk to the author and the finisher of our faith. There's nothing you can't talk to God about. Nothing. Zero. I mean, the most, the craziest thing that you could think of, you could talk to God about that. Whatever it is. You answered it for me. I was going to ask you, uh, what does a conversation with God look like? But you basically gave me so so many examples. But it's from from the county jail to now shepherding, you know, a group of men who willingly choose to take up their Saturday morning and come and sit with you and hear the word and discuss on the word or discuss whatever topic is of of the day. What 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 motivated you to 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 create this brotherhood and this fellowship? Because it's something that not a lot of people do, and I wish that you know maybe there are groups like that going around. But the importance of men shaping their household and themselves, like according to the word, and bonding together in their own experiences is something that's extraordinary. Where was that born from? Well. I think I have, I've always had an innate desire to build people, period. Um, who better than men? Um, I used to be a youth pastor, so I just had a connection with young people that I could see things the way they see things and be able to articulate it as a grown person, how they could understand it. But how this was birthed was during COVID. So our church, Concord, that's in Dallas, has a humongous men's Bible study. It started on Saturday mornings, and there was about maybe three to four hundred men there. Wow! Every Saturday morning, we were going through a book, and um, we were maybe three three weeks in, and COVID happened. And so, at each table, there was a table leader. Where at our table, nobody really took the lead; we just talked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had the clipboard with everybody's phone number and email. And so I just sent out a text to, hey, man, let's continue the book on Zoom. Well, out of those eight, only two came. Wow. So Brother Jesse, who you who you missed meeting, who just passed away, okay. and then Brother Chris Davis um, were the two. Everybody else had an excuse or a reason or didn't even respond to the text. And then from those two individuals, um, I put out flyers on Facebook, you know, Instagram or whatever. But people would start telling people. So um, Brother Yemi mm-hmm. was a group that my wife and I counseled called CSI. It's a couple seriously interesting. It's premarital counseling. He joined. Because he joined, he invited another brother. And the other brother invited another brother. And so it just caught on. Exactly. It just continued on for what going on our third year wow three and a half years yeah covid like yeah we're, we're past the official covid yeah, yeah. that's we're, yeah. we're good three years in yeah so it, it was really it's, it's a blessing i always say to the brothers on saturday man you guys make my my week my day my month my life uh so many things have transpired we've seen um brother paul who i don't think you've gotten to meet yet no been, not not yet like the last three but he had prostate cancer, and the doctors told him that it was pretty much over with. Well, it's two years later. He's still here, and the, uh, the cancer is gone. Wow. So uh, we've seen so much. On one of our Bible studies, I was talking to the brothers, and I was like, I said, hey, brothers, you know what? I said, we should be growing every day. I said, we shouldn't need one another to the point where uh, we don't know how to read the scriptures, study the scriptures, pray, or do anything by ourselves. I said, but what would happen if the Lord took me to glory? Would this uh, would this Bible study continue? And Ben, as soon as he said yes, I had a heart attack. Ooh. Right on the Zoom. Right on the Zoom. On the Zoom. Yeah. On the Zoom, I was like, "Lord, I, I didn't mean literally, Lord. I was mean, you know, just hypothetically, Lord, if you wanted to." Uh, but again, made it through um, and continued on, even while I was in the hospital. I just I took my tablet, 
and we continued on because, again, I want to be faithful um, because I know God is faithful. And I want to be the type of brother or person that you can count on or depend on if I say I'm going to do something. I want to do my best to be able to do that. So, and that's something that, men resonate with. Yeah, and I think the transparency, I think that we can talk about anything. And it can come from anybody. And that's why I always wanted an open mic. Because too often in church, men are really silenced. We're, we're there. We may be a part of something, but we don't have a voice. So I didn't want it to be one person talking. I wanted it to be all of us to be able to have dialogue. Okay, if you just came on, this was your first week. You had just as much microphone time as somebody mm-hmm. who's been there all three years. And I think that makes a difference to me to know that, man, what I want to talk about, as Bobby just did mm-hmm. <laughs> this last Saturday, you know, mm-hmm. had we not started that dialogue, then we probably would have went in a completely different direction than we went. And so I think that makes a difference. I think men want to be a part, um, no matter how terrible you are at football, <laughs> you still want to be on the team. And I think that's the same thing that applies with this men's ministry that happens every Saturday morning. It's powerful. It's powerful. And I did not know what to expect uh, when Brother Phil invited me. And he said, hey, man, just get on a Zoom. And it's a safe space. And I guess that's the key word, right? Because men, I'm not sure if it's our generation. I'm not sure if it's, you know, the male identity. But I know for a fact that men don't talk. You know, they're doing good. They're doing bad. They're doing well. They're doing awesome. They don't talk. And especially in a space where we're talking about God, religion, like we're, we're talking about faith. We're talking about the word. Like, what is this? But I'm guessing that it was the, um, the keystone for everybody. I'm going to come because it's my choice to come. No one forced you to come. You dial. You get on that Zoom. You wake up. You punch in that key code and you enter. And it's your choice. So there's power in that. And for me, it was as spontaneous as it was. I still remember to this day. It's like, who's that on the phone line? (laughs) And you were so welcoming and everybody was so welcoming. And it felt, it felt refreshing because I'm guessing that with all the craziness going on in the world on any given week, it's nice to take an hour out of your day to reflect, to connect and to support each other. And it's something that, you know, you need to be celebrated for because it's something that's very powerful. What is it? Is it something that we're all looking for? You think that this emptiness, because you, you talked about the void and some of us, unfortunately, don't want to admit that they, they are in this need or they are fueling themselves. They're filling their cup with toxicity or not the right, not the right sources. And how do we talk to them? How do we bring them into the proverbial light? How do we pull them out? Because sometimes some people are anchored into their fear. They're anchored into the fact that, you know what? I've been doing this for 42 years. Leave me with my shoelaces. This is what I do. Leave me alone. Well, I think, uh, first of all, to take the burden off of self, there's nothing we, you or I can do. It's God pulling an individual. So when God pulls or tugs at a person's heart and they're receptive to God pulling, then they'll be willing to have those kind of conversations. Men talk, but it's superficial talk. So you go into the barbershop, you want to hear men talk. Go into the barbershop, you hear them talk every week. But they're talking about football, basketball. They're talking about girls. They're talking about stuff that don't really matter at the end of the day. Um, and so the misconception about men is, first of all, men, real men don't cry, which is a lie. And so we've been taught to hide our feelings from birth, um, you may have said to your son, you know, get up, boy, stop crying. You know, Guilty. no, he's supposed to cry. He just skinned his whole knee open. He's supposed to cry. Um, but we instill that in them. So then as we become adults, we think that we're not supposed to share our emotions. And unfortunately, it affects us because we're good at covering stuff up. So um, you know, when we break up, we're hurt. But we just move on to the next best thing. Move on. We cover it up with the next best thing. And then the next best thing. And then the next best thing. And next thing you know, we have a hundred next best things. And we're still hurting from that very first one because mm-hmm. we deal with the emotions. I remember my doctor said to me, because I'm a diabetic and I deal with a lot of uh, 
wounded us situation. Um, he said, nothing that's covered up will ever heal. So the reason wow. we cover the wound up is to keep it from getting infected and getting dirty. But the only way your wound really heals is if it gets the oxygen that comes from being uncovered and from the sun. So as long as it's covered up, it's never going to heal. Ever, ever, wow. ever. Even when you see the Band-Aid wounds and you take it off, you have to take that Band-Aid off sooner or later. You have to. Get the air and the oxygen that it needs to actually heal. And then that wound becomes a scab. And then that scab ultimately disappears. And so we're hurting, but we haven't dealt with it. So we just continue to cover stuff up, cover this up, cover that up, cover that up. Because we're also taught um, that we're supposed to be perfect. We're supposed to have it all together. We're supposed to know. Um, you ask any man, um, uh, do you know how to change the oil? Oh, yeah, I know how to change it. Ain't never changed oil. Ever. But because he's a man and he's supposed to know, he'll say, yeah, I know how to change it. And he'll fake it. He'll even fake it to you. Yeah, you know. So I think that's what happens. So I think as as you do life the way God has called you to do, people are drawn to you, Right? It's when you fake it that people are not drawn to you. You just fit in. It's, uh, the Bible calls it conforming. We just conform to what everybody else is doing. Um, but if you look over your own life and you're reflective of your own life, reflect on how many people came to you and started talking to you for no reason. Just out of the blue. Or talking to you like they knew you. Or telling you stuff that they had no business telling you. That's because mm. God in you. The God in you, even when you was acting like there was no God in you, was still in you. And he was drawing people to you. So that's why there's individuals that you'll draw that I'll never be able to draw. Mm -hmm. And and vice versa. And so as we're all doing our part, then that's when we see people coming from here. We got people in Florida. We got people in Colorado, Alabama, Canada now. Hey, I didn't do anything. It was that individual reaching out to you, but only because you were receptive to what God was saying through that individual. This is true. And so I think that as it is, as, as more people come into it, see the, the, the situation or the problem is getting them to come into because almost everybody on there is invited people. I had one guy that I just, we spent years and years together as friends and he's never been on one time. And he says he's a Christian and, you know, we cool, but he's never been on one time. And sometimes people don't want to be exposed. And so that's why they say, well, I'll never go to church, but I don't want to hear the truth. Because <laughs> I know the truth is going be free, you know. And so I'd rather fake it over here instead of going here and dealing with the truth. Because the truth of the matter is there's not one problem that you're facing that I haven't faced or will face. And we have so much more in common than we don't. And so when you start talking about your situations in your marriage, I can say, you know what, man? That's me and my wife right now. Oh, man, that was me and my wife three years ago. But if you're over there acting like everything is everything, I'll tell you one more story. We're running out of your time. But um, when I was at a, a church in Fort Worth, there was a preacher who every time he got up on the pulpit, he would brag on how he always pays tithes, <laughs> how him and his new wife never argue. So whenever somebody says never, you already know they're lying. Yes. If somebody says always, you already know they're lying because nobody <laughs> never and always should not be mm. in your vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. I always love my wife. No, you don't. <laughs> I never get mad at my Yes, you do. So what ended up happening was he would talk down, even in Bible study, he would talk down. And I would try to like redirect him and make him talk about self. He would always talk about you or me and apply it to you or me, but he would never apply it to self. And so one day his wife came to me and said, can you counsel us? Wow. And I was like, wow. But he's he's telling the whole congregation the whole world. that everything is wonderful. Not being honest. And then ultimately, she ends up dying. Oh, Lord.
Lord. Never, never been able to get it fixed. And then more covers started coming off of some of the stuff that he was doing behind the scenes. And so, again, why do that? Why not just go up and say, man, listen, last night me and my wife argued. Because I guarantee you there's somebody else out there who, who, whose wife. I remember my first sermon here in Texas. My ex-wife cussed me out all the way to the church. Got in the church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, sister, how you doing? Wow. And I'm having to preach. And I preached uh, uh, Dance Like David Dance. And when I got to the, the part where his wife and my cow basically said, why are you out there dancing like a fool? I said, the one place that you should have pieces at home. And I just started crying from the pulpit in front of all these people. Wow. You know, so again, why pretend when we can help each other more by being honest and being transparent? And I think men have a hard time with being transparent because they weren't taught it and they don't see good examples of it. Well, on Saturdays, you get an opportunity to be able to see the example to say, even though I didn't want to say anything, but because brother such and such said something, you know what? I'm going to join in on this conversation. Mm. And I guess that's that's one example. That's one strong example I get from you. Well, so with so many is the fact that you show so much acceptance of the other because you, like I said, you've had this experience, you have this knowledge, you've had your own voids, you've had your own darkness that you've overcome, and these you've made this choice and this path for yourself. But you don't bring what I what I say. You're you're not judgmental into how you talk to us. You're not. You're not condescending in how you talk to us. You accept us at our whatever level that we're on. And I'm guessing that this is the safety that we feel when we listen to you. And I'm guessing that that's what another brother, another fellow man needs to hear. You know, that's is that what we can bring to another man? Because you can't shepherd all the men. But if we're going to go out into the world, whether for our spouses or our children, is that what we need to bring? Yeah, you have to bring what is called or defined as unconditional love. Unconditional love sees past the problem and sees the solution. So I think even in encouraging a brother, you know, you see, you can look at a brother and see his confidence is down. You can see that he's not at his best today. Say, hey, and just say an encouraging word. You don't know how much power that encouraging word has in it. I told somebody one time, because you know, the church is big on how many people did you bring to Christ? Well, first of all, you don't know. That That's a, a ludicrous question because you really don't know. But just per se, say I was the one who um, introduced Martin Luther King to Christ. That was just the only person that I did, Martin Luther King. Well, Martin Luther King touched the entire world. So when we start looking at it, you know, from the perspective of what I did, and didn't do, you're already you're in a losing battle. I realize that anything that you learn, that you gain, that you grasp from me is not Michael. It's the Christ in Michael. And that's what's grabbing you. That's what's touching you. That's what's reaching you. That's what's keeping you. It's not Michael. Michael's not worth a wood nickel. And then the other thing that you talked about is sin. There's no levels of sin. Bible says, well, the wages of sin is death. It doesn't say what sin. It says sin. So the Greek word for sin means to miss the target. <laughs> we miss the target all day, every day. So who am I to judge you missing the target when I just got through from missing the target six times? Wow. And, and, and vice versa. But too many religious folks do that. It's easier to, to shine the spotlight on your sin than it is to, to be reflective of mine. And so by doing that, making your sin bigger, it makes me feel better. It makes me feel like uh, I'm greater than you. That's what's called self-righteous. I'm self-righteous. Wow. Man. Pastor, it's so much. There is so much gratitude and so much um, fulfillment in this call because this is something that I've never done in six years. You know, talk about my faith, talk about, you know, where I'm at spiritually. And I'm happy that I got to do this with someone as, you know, open-minded as 
forthcoming and as generous of heart and purpose as you. And again, I'm guessing this is where you say that, you know, God always has a reason. God always finds a way. I guess all things only happen in the right time. Um, this is something that I'm truly grateful for. And of course, I will see you on the call Saturday. But for anyone that needed to hear this, I want to say thank you uh, because we're all trying to, you know, write our own journey every single step, you know, just like Dorothy putting one yellow brick after, at a time, you know, towards whatever we want to call our own little level of greatness. But this was not time wasted. I want to say thank you, Pastor, for this wonderful amount of knowledge, uh, this wonderful amount of truth. And it's something I'm really grateful for. It was uh, it was a thrilling, thrilling conversation. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you, Oliver. And I want to say to somebody who uh, may watch this at a later date, people often ask, how do you know that you're saved? Right? It's a question you, you may ask yourself mm -hmm. or other people have asked themselves. I want you to think about one incident in your life when you were going to do wrong, whatever that wrong was, and you heard a voice, not an audible voice, but a voice that said, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Hang with them. Don't go to that place. And you usually hear that voice like three times. And if you don't adhere to that voice, then you usually reap the consequences of not adhering to it. Well, that was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sent into the world to convict it of sin. That's his job. And we don't recognize it. So we'll say something told something. Some people say my conscience told me. No, your conscience is just as sinful as you are. But the Holy Spirit. And so now, with the Holy Spirit lives in you, you could be 100% right with what you did. And the Holy Spirit will say, go ask for forgiveness. Go say I'm sorry. Wow. Now the Holy Spirit directs you, and now it says, don't do, and you're, you adhere to it. So whether you're saved or you're not saved, the Holy Spirit is still here. And the Holy Spirit is that voice that you hear that tells you, don't do that, don't do this. Turn here when you would normally turn there. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Wow. So I pray that through, through somebody listening to what we've talked about, um, that they would realize that God is for real. And that they would just simply say, hey, God, I've, I've gotten it wrong all my life. It seems like nothing I do works out. And I'm just asking you to come into my life. I believe that you sent your son, that he died. And not only did he die, but he got back up so that I could have eternal life. And so, Lord, I say thank you for that opportunity. Amen. Amen. For anyone listening to us that might want to follow up with you, connect with you, you know, is there any particular places we can connect them to? Inter in, I'm sorry, Instagram, Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Michael Winfrey, 6265. I'm on Facebook, Michael Winfrey. Uh, as well as you can come on to our Zoom calls on every Saturday. Uh, and Oliver does have that information. He can actually put I the will. link in. He can put the link I in will. I will. with this recording. But, and I'm the type of individual that you can call me. I don't care where you're at and what time you want to call. My phone number is 817 554 Four four five nine. That number again is eight one seven five five four 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 five nine. Wow. Thank you so much, Pastor. We do have a running tradition on, um, of course, I will link up all the uh, contacts, guys. Don't worry. I'm going to put all the information for the Zoom call, Pastor Winfrey's wonderful contacts. Everything will be in the blog post when the episode goes live. But we do have a running tradition on the podcast, which I like to call the next step. You've given us so many gems. But what I call the next step is someone which we can imagine listening to this late at night. And before they go to bed, they want to grab their pen and pencil and wake up tomorrow, maybe one thing, one next step, maybe it's a passage from the of the word of God, the word of the book, the word of the Bible, um, a song, a personal mantra, daily affirmation, or whatever. They can call to use it tomorrow and use it as a next step towards their next level. Is there anything we can leave the listeners with? Romans 8 and 28 says, for now we know that all things work together for the good, for those who love the Lord and the call of according to his purpose. And so regardless of the mistakes that you think that you've made, regardless of the missteps that you have taken, God says that if you would come to him, he'll work all of those situations together for the good. Even though it may not seem good, it may not feel like it's good, God's promise to you is that it will work together for your good. And then I want to say this, 
forgive yourself. That's the greatest thing that you can do. Forgive yourself and realize that forgiveness is available. Thank you so much, Pastor Mike. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. I am not sure if you're feeling this energy. I truly hope that these words, uh, this this blessing, this wonderful, wonderful truth reaches you wherever these words find you. I want to wish you a tremendous, tremendous amount of good, uh, greatness, kindness, and empathy, everything that you need to understand that you are worthy. Through Pastor Mike's words, we understand that we are every day building each other, not just in our faith, but in our spirit, our being, and our truth for the people who love us and those who are privileged enough to benefit from our presence in their lives. Pastor Mike, I can't thank you enough for this wonderful time. It's been a privilege and a thrill. This is not the last of our conversations, for sure. Guys, have a great day. You too. Thanks, guys. Stay blessed. Stay safe. As always, do. Stay awesome. This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram, Facebook, or email. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Do visit our official website at awakentheawesome.ca, where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and incredible guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review, as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and spreading the word to more awesome listeners like you. We always appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome.